Hey, this is Pastor Spencer with Racine Bible Church. You're listening to a sermon from a Sunday morning. God has loved us in the life and death and resurrection of his one and only son, our Lord Jesus Christ. And we ask for his blessings and we ask for him to open our hearts as we pray in Jesus' name. So let's pray together. We ask you now, O Lord, to prepare our hearts. You, O Lord, who have given everything to us and done everything for us, we ask you now to prepare our hearts. Prepare us to love you, to love your word, the Bible. Prepare our minds to learn all that you have for us to know. Let your word in this hour be a counselor to us that we may be guided by it. Let your word in this hour be a physician to us that we might be healed by it. Let your word be a law of love to us that we might obey it in the love of God, which is ours in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. One uh, special sermon this morning, one sermon on the whole book of 1 John. The title for this sermon is What We Need to Know. The subtitle for this sermon is Why 1 John is the perfect book for our ABFs right now. Our ministry design for you to get the most out of the ministry ever seen Bible church is for you, of course, to come like you have come to this nine o'clock service, but it's not that you would leave at 1015, but that it's you would stay for the second service that goes from 1045 to noon, and that in that second hour, you would join one of our ABFs. ABF stands for Adult Bible Fellowship. This service which we just did. We sing with joy. We experience the ordinances of the church, which is communion and baptism. We give ourselves to the preaching of the word. We're going to go chapter by chapter through the book of Isaiah. We're going to, we're, we are in uh, chapter 59, I think, next week. And we'll take it all the way through to the end in the, in the six or seven weeks that we have left in that series. But that's what happens in this service. In the other service, in your ABF, is meant to be a time of mutual prayer of mutual caring, of interactive and applicational Bible study with other people. And so this sermon is because today our ABFs begin a study in 1 John, and this is just meant to launch that study and show why I have such high hopes for that book being the perfect book for our ABFs at this point in time. 1 John is written about what you need to know. 1 John 5 verse 11 through down through verse 13. These three verses from 1 John 5, starting in verse 11. And this is the testimony that God gave us, eternal life. And this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. 1 John 5, 13. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. There are things you know, and there are things you don't know. There are things you don't know, but you know that you don't know them. If I asked you right now, can you speak Swahili? You would very quickly tell me, no, I can't speak Swahili because you know that you don't know how to speak Swahili. There are things that you think you know that you actually don't know. A good example of this would probably be, maybe, your best friend's phone number. 
I mean, if your phone fell into the sea and you had to write down without looking online the phone numbers of your best friends, could you do it? Maybe you think you know how to contact them, but do you know how to contact them without that little idol that you carry around? There are, th are there things that you know, but you don't know that you know them? An example of this would probably be if you uh, went to a trivia night and they ask some obscure question and the, and the answer, the correct answer immediately flies right out of you. And you're like, how did I know that? You knew it, but you didn't know that you knew it. First John, actually the, the apostle John, it, it is very serious about gladly the same thing that I'm serious about and that our ministry is serious about. And that is that when it comes to your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, you would know the most important things and you would know that you know the most important things. I write these things to you believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you know that you have eternal life. First John has a burrowing intensity to it because it's meant for you not only to know something but to know in the depth of your heart that you know those things what we need to know. Look with me at 1 John 3, verse 16 says, wonderfully, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. We just sang that, by this we know love. Look at verse 19 of chapter three. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. Look at verse 23. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he has commanded us. I love that, verse 23. And this is his commandment, singular. And then it breaks it into two. That we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he has commanded us. The reason why I could confidently subtitle this sermon, the, why 1 John is the perfect book for our ABFs right now, is because 1 John puts the B and the F actually together. In 1 John 3.23, he says, you have to know the command. But then he breaks it into two, that you believe the doctrinal truth about Jesus and that you love Jesus by loving the people of Jesus, by belonging together with the people of Jesus. He breaks one command into two, but it's really only one because the second, loving the people of Jesus, grows out of the first. We understand the truth about Jesus Christ, who he is and what he's done, and then that truth is formed in us and lived out by us as we love the people of Jesus. So there are two commands in 1 John 3, 23. Believe Jesus and love one another. But the second command grows out of the first command because the second command validates the first command. You can say that you know Jesus Christ, but perhaps that's invisible and perhaps that's internal in such a way that it's difficult to validate. But if you love the people of Jesus Christ, 
and you're in relationship with them where you let them love you and help you to love Jesus more, this is what externalizes and validates the reality of your belief in Jesus Christ. In fact, your love for other people, the second half of 1 John of 3.23, your love for other people only counts as Christian if it's growing out of the first half of 1 John 3.23, that you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. After all, after all, some of you are in a workplace this week that's not run by Christian people and your coworkers aren't Christian people, but you all collected $12,000 for a coworker who was suffering. That's a good thing to do. And that's an expression of love or some form of fellowship. The friends of the Racine Public Library, they get together and they give and they strategize for how to build a better library. And that's a wonderful thing if libraries are good. But that's not a Christian form of fellowship or a Christian form of love. This is what it is. This is his commandment that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he has commanded. You see how those go together. So John writes so that you would know that you know that God loves you and you love God and you love the people of God. So let's quickly summarize the whole book and launch this new study in 1 John for our ABFs with these three important things to know. Number one, knowing by what we confess, that is real relationships. Knowing by what we confess, that is real relationships. And this first point is found in 1 John 1, verses 5 through 10. 1 John 1, verses 5 through 10. This was our call to worship today. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. One thing that you'll notice if you read through 1 John is John doesn't mess around and he isn't afraid to make people upset with him. He just lays it out. He says, you say you love God, but you really hate God. He's going to say a couple times in this book, you think you're of Christ, but you're really of the Antichrist. He's like, a vi- John is a very blunt writer. And I think we need that in our day. Light and dark, hatred and love. We're either in or we're out. We live in a day and age where everybody's afraid of saying anything. Nobody wants to get canceled. And if you comment on a situation the wrong way. You're going to come off as as a pariah. And I just think that John writes with such certainty and such clarity that it's a book that we need in our day and age. Because after all, truth is what matters. Either God is or God is not. Truth is the basis for all that we build our lives upon. Consequently, Christians should be committed to the truth and Christians must be unashamed in their confession of and belief in the truth. 
The first important thing to know is knowing by what we confess, that is real relationships. And we see that here in 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, plural, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Every one of us needs to confess our sins. You notice how nine is sandwiched in verse eight by saying, if you say you don't have a lot of sin to confess, you're lying. Confess your sin, Jesus will forgive it. And then he backs it up again in verse 10 and says, if you say you don't have a lot of sin to confess, you're lying. John says, none of you have graduated from grace. Every one of you is daily in need of grace. None of you is perfect yet. Each one of you still sins. And you need the grace and forgiveness of Jesus Christ. That's why we confess our sin to him. First John 1, 9 is talking about confessing our sin to Jesus. But in the mutual context of loving one another in 1 John, one of the things we're going to see in our ABFs as we go through this together is that not only, not only do we need to confess our sin to Jesus, but in our relationships with each other, if there are ways that I've wronged you, ways that I've been hateful toward you, I need to confess that to you and ask for your forgiveness too. It's a little bit different than our confessing to Jesus, but we need forgiveness from each other. And don't you think it's a, it's a measure of a real relationship when I can be honest with you about how you have hurt me? And you can really hear that and we can talk about that in a non-threatening and a loving kind of way. Real confession most importantly to Jesus, but also in our relationships with each other. That's why John makes a big deal out of loving each other or hating each other. On this topic of, uh, of real relationships, look at 1 John 2, verses 9 through 11. 2, 9. Whoever says he's in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there's no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. One of the reasons that 1 John and the way John is so blunt about our need to love each other is so helpful is because in the church, we need, we need help working away from hating each other and wronging each other because we wrong each other often in the church and we need help loving each other. Once, uh, actually not long ago, I heard a woman put it like this, and I really think she was onto something. She said, when it comes to church, expect that the deeper into church you get, the more ugly you will see, and the more beautiful the church will ultimately become. When it comes to church, when it comes to ABF, the deeper in you get, the more ugly you'll actually see, but the more beautiful the church will ultimately become. What does that mean? It means that if you're in church and you are actually, literally unaware of anyone else's sin, then how meaningful are your relationships with anyone else? Honestly, if you're in this church and you're absolutely unaware that anyone in this church ever blows it and sins, then how could you even say that your relationships with people in this church are real in the first place? The deeper in you get, the closer you get to someone, the more of their ugly you'll see. 
being busy in ministry, being in real relationships in ministry is a God-ordained opportunity to discover how impatient and unkind and mean God's people can be. It, it actually is. But if you were really in it, like John says here, that with that ugly and with that sin, we of all people have a way to deal with it. We have a savior who bled for our sin. We have a savior who said, the qualification for coming to me is that you admit you're a sinner. So why on earth would it be difficult for this church member to admit to that church member that they sinned against them? We should be admitting that all the time. I'm not promoting sinning all the time, but I am promoting being honest about your sin all the time. And you're gonna need to, because not a single one of you has graduated from grace. You won't until the other side. We need to learn how to apologize, how to confess, how to forgive each other, how to experience the beauty of the gospel in our relationships. If you are in this church and you have never had to seek forgiveness from someone else in this, in this church, I really question how deeply you actually are in this church. ABF is meant to be the place where people know you and you know other people and you can actually admit that you're still a sinner and you can work things out. ABF is meant to be the place that if you posture as if 1 John 1, 8, you don't have any sin in your life, there are people in ABF who know you well enough to pop that ugly balloon. And it, it's meant to be the place where those kinds of relationships can happen. 1 John helps us to be real with each other, to admit our sin and weakness. Perhaps it's ironic, I know it's satanic, that the church, which centers upon the cross of Jesus Christ, which is only for sinners and is the only way that sin can be dealt with, I know it's satanic that the church, where that is, for some people, becomes the last place that you want to be honest about how messed up your life is. Why is that? It's commonplace for me to talk to people that aren't in church and when I admit to them that I'm a pastor, it's commonplace for them to give me some version of the line that it's easier to talk to my friends at the tavern about the problems in my life than it would be for me to talk to the people at the church. I don't know if that's true here but I know that, brothers and sisters, it ought never to be true here because of the blood of Jesus Christ. The first thing that we need to know is how to confess our sin and how to be real about the times that we stumble in the darkness. And First John will help us with this. One challenge point for you as we enter into this study on First John, if you really wanna do this, then challenge yourself that within the next week, that is before next Sunday, you'll have a simple conversation with somebody in your ABF where you simply say to them, I, I kind of know how to confess my sin to God, but I'm realizing that I, I need to talk about my sin with another person. And just ask them for permission to have those kinds of conversations. Take that step 
and walk in the light. That's first, knowing by what we confess, real relationships. Second, knowing by what we do, the, the walk, the, the real way of walking in his commandments. John is so blunt to say, if you say you know him, but you don't walk like he walked, you don't really know him, right? First John 2, look at verses 3 through 6. First John 2, 3 through 6. By this we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. It has become a cliche in churches like ours. Do they talk the talk or do they really walk the walk? But sometimes cliches are so common because they are so commonly needed. There really are a bunch of people who talk the talk and don't walk the walk. The point John makes is so simple. And yet we, in our crazy Christian way, kind of bamboozle our way out of it. But the point is so simple. It can be, it can be easily illustrated with, a, with sort of a ridiculous situation. If I, if I had a, a, a small business that I was running and I had to take a trip, I had to be gone for two months. And so I asked my friend Steve Miller to run my little small business while I'm out of town. And I, I, I Steve, I'll, I'll email you or text you, you know, a couple times a week and tell you what to do with the business and everything will work out. And he says, great, I'll do it. So I'm gone for two months and I don't even really check on it or think about it, but I do email and text Steve about every three days about what to do with the bank accounts and what to do with the inventory and what to do with the business. I come home. I roll up to the business and they're just doing karaoke and serving cocktails in the front. And it's not a karaoke or a cocktail business. And they're just playing PlayStation in the conference room. And, and it's just like everything. And, and the bank accounts are empty and everything's going to get foreclosed. What happened? And so I say, hey, hey, Steve, what happened? Didn't you get my emails and my texts? He says, oh, yes. I saved all your emails. In fact, there were a few of your texts that were so good that I memorized them. And in fact, one of your emails was so good that Brennan wrote a song about it. <laughs> and we all sang it. And there was another one of your emails that, that uh, Jeremy Dulac had a special Saturday seminar for the men where he talked about that email. Okay, okay, okay. But you didn't do anything I said. This is a way to belabor John's point. If we say, if we say, then we must walk, must walk in the way that he walked and in the way that he commanded us to walk. This is obviously why 1 John is the perfect book for our ABFs, which are founded on principles of interactional, applicational Bible study. One challenge, if you really want to take this on, as we enter into this study on 1 John together, here's one challenge for you. Force yourself to do this. So Sunday morning, you get 
a sermon in here. It'll be from Isaiah for the next six or eight weeks. And you get a, a lesson in ABF. It'll be from 1 John. So force yourself every Monday, force yourself every Monday to take two things from the opening of God's word in corporate worship and to take two things from the opening of God's word in ABF and, and commit together with a friend or with a group of three or four friends that every Monday we're going to send each other our two things from corporate worship and our two things from ABF that we're going to work on, that we're going to try to walk through, that we're going to help each other with. It's a simple step, but it would make a big difference. So second, truth about knowing that we really know is that truth, knowing by what we do, really walking in the truth. Third, knowing by what we love. How is love worked out in the real world. We sang in this service of the kind of love that the Father has given to us, that we would be called the children of God, and such we are. Knowing by love. Love is the primary distinguishing mark of the Christian. Jesus says they'll know that you're a Christian by your love. Love is the primary motivating if we could speak in such a way, factor in the heart of God. For God so loved the world that he sent his son. The primacy of love goes back to the eternal glory between the father and the son. John 14, John 16, John 17. Jesus says, I've come to bring them into the love, father, which you had for me before the world ever began. The primacy of love is inescapable, inexorable. John makes much of the primacy of love. Look at 1 John 3, verses 11 through 16. 1 John 3, 11, for this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death and into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers." This is the baseline that we know God's loved us and now we show that love one to another. It's not lost on me. I hope it's not lost on you that here where he speaks about how much God loves us, he says, and don't miss it there. What verse was it in? Verse 13, do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. Same thing in 1 John 3, 1 through 3. says, look at what kind of love the Father has loved us with, that we should be called the children of God. And then immediately he says, the world doesn't recognize this. This is another reason why we need our ABFs. Because if you really are living and walking as a Christian, there will be some form of hatred and persecution from the world that comes upon you because you claim Christ. And here, here, is not the place to be further hated. Let that be out there here. 
is the place to be loved, to be loved by those who know the love of God. By this we know love, and the church is the place where that love is manifested and demonstrated. It's a hypothetical because it it couldn't actually happen, but what if there was a great church that had just the right kind of music for you? And as soon as I say that, there are 300 different answers to that question in this room, whatever. And exactly the right preaching and phenomenal children's ministry and youth ministry and everything. But nobody in that church ever loved you. Nobody there ever loved you, cared about you, remembered you supported you, well, you'd be out of there. I would much rather be at a place where people know me and love me. And there are a couple of things here or there that aren't my favorite. Love is the glue. John's warning is that there, if, there, if there's no love, there's no life. See verse 14, we know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Show me someone who refuses to love the brothers. That's someone who has no claim, no credible claim to have passed out of death and into life. One of the most famous things that John says about love is what not to love, right? Verse 15 of chapter two. Turn over to John chapter two, verse 15. Love is so important. Love is so valuable that John says, church, you hear this? Love is so valuable that John says, your love is so valuable, don't waste it on the wrong thing. Don't waste it on the wrong thing. 2.15, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. Oh, we we need this. We need this. We live in a world that is passing away, but we live in a world that tries to charm us and trick us into thinking that the things of this world are substantive and the things of God are a maybe. And one of the reasons that you need not only corporate worship, but also ABF is because you tend to forget that this world is passing away. And it is our hope that through healthy relationships in ABF, you'll bump into somebody else who's remembering that this week. Or maybe it'll be the other way around. You'll remember this week that the world is passing away and someone will need to draft off of you just like they draft off each other in NASCAR. Our faith needs that. And in this difficult world, we need that with one another. ABF is meant to be the place where your relationships with others are real enough that they can tell what you really love. We're not that close if you don't know what I really love. Our relationship is as close as our knowledge of each other's primary loves. Maybe you can't have that with every single person in your ABF. I'm sure you can't. 
but you ought to have it with some. You, you, you know someone, isn't it, isn't it as simple as if I got to the restaurant first and you were on your way, I, I could know what you'd want to drink. I could make a good guess at what you'd order because we know each other. If I know what you like, I know what you have a taste for, I know what you love, then we really know each other. If I have no clue what you like or what you love, well, we could say that we're friends in some way, but we don't, we don't really have that depth of relationship. Why going through 1 John together in our ABFs may be so good for us is because it's in relationship with each other where we can see, do you really believe that the world is passing away? Do you really love the world? We get to see what each other loves. This is why I, I have such high hopes for this time that we'll spend together in 1 John, and we need this. I need those kinds of mutual accountability relationships, and so do you. This is why my hopes are high for this new series in our ABFs on 1 John, is because it'll lead us to confess and have real relationships where that confession can happen. And it's because it'll, it'll demonstrate, are we walking and doing what we say we believe? And finally, it'll reveal what we really love. So join me in praying for this launch in our ABFs. It's my voice praying, but let it be all of our hearts praying. Our Father in heaven, we praise you for bringing us into relationship with you through Jesus Christ. By this we know, love, that you have loved us and sent your son for us. And Father, in your love, we now join our hearts in praying for our relationship, not only with you, but our relationships with one another. We pray specifically for the relationships that are being fostered and watered and would become fruitful in our adult Bible fellowship ministry. We pray for the women who serve and love and pray so faithfully in our ABFs. Would you deepen and strengthen the women's relationships in all of our ABFs? And Heavenly Father, we pray for the men who serve and pray and ask questions and have those conversations with each other in our ABFs? Would you strengthen and deepen the relationships between the brothers and the men in this congregation, even through this mutual study of 1 John? We pray for relationships marked by honest and sincere confession. We pray for relationships where we are eager to forgive each other and extend grace and mercy to each other. We pray for relationships of trust where we can be honest about our failures and our stumbles and our questions. We pray for your blessing upon the ABF ministry of Racine Bible Church as we launch this study in 1 John. We pray that through the light of the love of Jesus Christ, we would walk in the truth, we would walk in the light, and the radiant love of Jesus Christ would be seen, felt, heard, experienced by more and more men and women through the, through the faithful ministry of the word and through the faithful mutual relational fellowship that happens here. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. To find out more about our ministry, contact us at racinebible.org. 
Thank you for listening.